You're listening to the Skillflex podcast. This episode, we have Nina Bhaskar joining us. Nina comes with 16 plus years of experience in people management and currently heads HR at Cooper Vision, a billion-dollar revenue arm of the Cooper companies and one of the world's largest manufacturers of soft contact lenses. Thanks, Nina. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's really nice to have you here, and we are so excited about this conversation. As someone who's heading the HR role at Cooper Vision, I want to start with understanding. what are some of your primary challenges some of your pain points currently in your in your role when it comes to building high performing teams thank you ankit uh, for this opportunity and i'm glad to be here so the challenges that we have at cooper vision are similar to what is there in the industry right now first is getting the kind of talent that you want in the organization there is war for talent there was war for talent and i think it's just gotten worse with the less unemployment and more job opportunities in the market so when that happens even if you have a wonderful candidate a great candidate that you want to bring on board possibly that person will be pushed by another company because they've been offered more and that comes with attrition so we are facing high turnover but it has happened in our organization because of some other reasons also because of some leadership changes because of some changes in the organization structure which has happened for good because when i see the leadership changes i see the changes in the structure it has happened for the right reasons and it's kind of paving a way uh, in the direction that we want to go in but that comes with you know when you lose that comfort with a certain manager or a certain team then what's the next thing to do you may take off you may join another organization because anyways this structure is new for you so you might as well do that in another organization so the turnover has been slightly high it has also been for many due to personal reasons because covid has done that for people one of the other things that i've noticed is the leadership capability you know how do we build the leadership capability we have great leaders but then what about the leaders below them what about the leaders after them what about the emerging leaders so how do we make sure that our senior leaders are able to pass on you know those learnings that they have and the experiences to the leaders uh, below them or the emerging leaders that has been one of the uh, key focus areas for us and then of course as every organization engagement that comes with retention so how do we make sure that you know employees feel a sense of belonging they feel that they have that uh, stickiness to the organization they want to stay in the organization and they feel cared for they feel valued i think as an organization you know uh, based on a survey and uh, whatever results we have we are doing a decent job i wouldn't say that you know uh, we are up there but uh, something that was highlighted recently in our engagement survey was people rated one question really high as compared to in the industry uh, norm that was uh, at work i have a best friend so people feel that there is somebody that you know they can talk to if they need to then there are opportunities that we have to work on and which we are working on thanks so much for answering that with so much uh, clarity i feel like obviously we empathize and uh, resonate with a lot of the challenges because i think uh, we've heard this over and over again from so many employers big and small i want to talk about attrition a little bit because that's obviously that's a topic that has a lot of tailwind currently right and especially in the i wouldn't say post pandemic it's honestly started right when we were in the middle of the pandemic but when you are reflecting on this what is it that's driving it in your mind what is it that people are looking for i understand that first of course there are the monetary aspects i think uh, the great reshuffle or the great resignation as it was called earlier i think is being driven a lot by the financial volatility in the market and what people are doing to get better financial outcomes for themselves but outside of that what makes people go beyond that uh, 
uh, what are the kind of people who are sticking through this volatility with companies? What will help in curb uh, some of these challenges at the addition front? I think there are three elements to your question. So I'll address the first one. Why are people uh, moving jobs? I think that was happening always. But I think post-COVID, it just feels it's a lot. That's happening because a lot of roles have opened up. A lot of companies have started hiring. Two and a half years, you know, when COVID started 2020, a lot of roles in the organizations were either shelved or, you know, they were put on hold. Everything, the market has opened, travels have opened, businesses have started, you know, picking pace. So what do you do? You need people. And most of the organizations or businesses are short-staffed. So there are lots of employment opportunities and with employment opportunities and less uh, uh, talent, let's say in the market, comes higher packages. And COVID has also had impact on people financially. So somebody who's, uh, you know, who has a family would definitely look at a high remuneration versus, you know, uh, peace of mind at work or comfort because they have to take care of their family and they also have to make up for the lost two and a half years, let's say, of less pay. I think uh, work-life balance is also playing a very big role because people work from home. So now people either want to continuously work from home or they want a hybrid work environment. So if uh, as an organization, you expect your employees to be in the office all five days in the week, then I think that is not something which is acceptable. And people have a choice today that they can exercise. Benefits, organizations have learned during COVID that there are so many things that they can do to uh, you know, reward their employees in different forms and means. And last but not the least, I think something that was always there is your career development. As an organization, if you are not investing in your employees or you're not giving them opportunities to learn and grow, and that doesn't have to come with a promotion, that can be through different means and different types of uh, assignments. If that is not happening, then it's not helping people because they're slowly moving into gig, gig economy. People want to be part of multiple projects, multiple assignments, right? And how do I do that? I can only do that if I was to expand my potential and uh, my knowledge. And that comes with work, that comes with my external uh, you know, focus groups or network. And if organizations are not providing that platform to employees, I think somebody who's focused on their career and development they may want to make a move and join organizations that offer that. That's to why, you know, uh, people are uh, leaving the organization. As I confessed, honestly, we do have decent or large turnover here. But at the same time, you know, I've also reflected on something else. As much as we've lost people, we've hired people. From the day I joined Cooper Vision, which was in April, I, I cannot tell you how many offer letters I've signed. Right. So we are equally hiring. Of course, we are going to work on things where if we are losing people, which is our, under our control, which is not personal reasons. And people are joining us because they see our benefits to be quite competitive in the market. They see that we invest in people and we invest in people, not just for the work that they're going to do on the job, but more because we kind of have a vision in terms of where we want to take them from this role to next. So going uh, back to that question of what makes people stick, it's again, career development, your growth that you see in an organization, your benefits, your learning opportunities. It's an overall package versus just the compensation, which is why people stay in the organization or join an organization, I would say. Thank you for offering this segue with uh, career development, because I do think that's something that we focus on as an organization and I'd love to understand that a little bit more from you. So I think one thing that you said, which made it slightly clear is that you offer the transparency and the 
the vision and the growth path to the individual looking at joining the organization to be able to tell them what's coming next and how is it that they will end up growing in the organization and the diversity of challenges and projects that they will end up you know dabbling in i think that's obviously very very exciting but just if if i was to get you to maybe uh, probe this a little bit more with us what are some of the structured uh, interventions or benefits that organizations can offer for first showcasing that there is career development and learning opportunities available within the organization and that you offer as an employer when you think about it from an employee's point of view what is it that they care about the most when it comes to uh, learning and development i'll take the second one first so from an employee point of view i think it's very important to understand what are their aspirations different employees have different aspirations when it comes to learning and development someone could be just happy attending a workshop someone may need uh, more on the job hands on training special assignments so that they can learn on the job and they can grow it depends on employees different employees have different ways of learning it's like you know when you are in a class even as kids you know every child had a different way of learning and understanding things and that's why there were different concepts used in the class i think we should take a similar approach and that's how we should build our learning and development programs in an organization and i think that's what organizations are doing now when you asked about what is it in terms of offerings as an organization we believe in a 70 30 10 model where 70% is on the job i've been a facilitator for a very long time but i'll still say it i do not believe that classroom trainings are the way to go for you to uh, grow and expand in your career from a learning and development point of view because what is happening after that that is the question that always remains remains right are you applying it so we believe 70% on the job which means stretch assignments bubble assignments special projects working with different departments so somebody who's in a local marketing team could be working with a regional marketing team and 20% for us is uh, workshops conferences networking so in person collaboration in person conversations that you can do and uh, for that we also provide our employees uh, if they're part of some association or some organization we also take up to a certain cost their membership fees so that they can be part of those organizations and they can continue on their learning journey and it's only 10% that uh, we believe in workshops and even the workshops that we do it's more on adult learning approach or more than that you know everyone is a facilitator in that workshop and in that we bring in a couple of programs uh, we have leadership development programs we have emerging leaders programs and these programs are linked to exchange meetings that can happen in different countries because we want people to meet other uh, cooper vision employees and interact and in a different space not in their own office setup as hr we have taken membership with growth faculty and something that we do is as hr we attend those workshops and trainings and we try to bring those learnings back to the organization and share it with leaders and their teams we try to do it in different forms and shapes so that you know it can cater to all the all kinds of employees that we have in the organization no i absolutely loved what you said about not having a one size fits all approach and really trying to understand each person's unique needs and unique aspirations and their learning styles to be honest because everyone has very different learning styles and uh, you need to cater to that diversity you mentioned that 10 to 20% of your mind space and bandwidth from a learning point of view is spent on you know certain events certain uh, workshops that every individual may want to do and you offer some sort of a allowance uh, to them or help them with the partnership fee or some sort of a membership fee for uh, for these specific events i'm curious are there any specific examples or 
Uh, have you see, be, seen uh, this being used in interesting ways? Anything that comes to mind that you can share? So right now that's being used for membership fees. So it started with our finance team actually because they have these certifications and they're part of these organizations and associations, but it's open to everybody. I'll give my example. If I'm part of uh, ICF Singapore, International Coaching Federation Singapore, or NHRDN chapter in Singapore, to be part of that association, if I have to pay a membership fees, my organization will bear that cost. And that is directly linked also to my contribution in my role to my organization. So it makes all the more sense for an organization to make that commitment that, you know, uh, we will be taking up this cost. We see employees using it for their uh, professional advancement. So workshops we run uh, either by bringing in a facilitator or we run by ourselves. One is technical, but what are the other elements that allow you to work in a very uh, comfortable and sane manner in the organization because everyone is going through pressure. I want to talk about something that you mentioned earlier, which was uh, leadership changes and, uh, you know, the kind of discomfort it would bring to any organization, to be honest. I feel it brings about a sense of just volatility, which could be intimidating for a team. When you reflected on the leadership changes that you had and as a result, the attrition that it drove, what in your mind are a couple of things that you would have potentially uh, done differently or uh, something that you are now going to keep in mind going forward? You know, leadership changes does come with attrition. It happens and it happens with every organization. The attrition that we faced is primarily it's 50-50 because of personal reasons, somebody relocating, better job offers, somebody wanting more work-life balance in different departments, uh, you know, because not all functions have the same work-life balance, right? Having said that, going back to what you asked, a lot of changes happened before I joined. To be very honest, this is something that doesn't face me, but I know it does impact a lot of people and people get worried. We've been very mindful of where the leaders are coming from, what is the culture, the strengths and leadership style they're bringing, how do we make sure that our employees and our leaders are able to build that relationship. So when I said culture of coaching, we are constantly in touch with our leaders to understand what are they expecting from their team to understand what are the challenges they're facing from their teams. And as an organization and as HR, let me tell you, we are not afraid of challenging our leaders. So if a leader says that, you know, they don't get what I want, uh, the question that I've asked or we ask is, have you understood what they want? And trust me, our leaders are pretty open to that question. So what we've done is we've looked at, you know, where they're coming from, what is their leadership style? So we've made sure that we reach out to everybody. We are there for the leader, but we're also there for the employees. We try to understand how they're feeling, what they're feeling. And of course, they're going to feel challenges because it's a new setup. It's new expectations, it's new style of working, it's new style of deliverables that they have to give. And for the leader, it's again, a change. How do we uh, bring them, if not on the same platform, at least on a platform where they start to work together and they start to walk in the same direction? Because once that happens, it's easy for them to you know, uh, build that relationship. Arranging the expectation in the first place that this is going to be a two-way street, I think is incredibly important. But, you know, interestingly, something that popped in my head, how do we kind of invest in emerging leaders, first-time leaders? How do we make sure that the early level of leadership is equipped with uh, some of the cultural nuances that are incredibly important? Because given our experience, we've seen a lot of times that the stability that's required within organizations or within teams 
while maybe either the external or some part of the internal world may be going through some sort of an unstability. That stability can be provided by first-time or emerging leaders or, or the frontline leaders who essentially are constantly talking to the team and can provide not just that job security, but also that psychological safety that we are okay. If this is something that is bound to happen and it has many reasons and many factors that need to be considered. But this does not imply that there's something that's foundationally wrong with where we are headed. What do you think about investing and how do you invest in emerging leaders, first-time leaders, people who are now getting a chance to have teams and manage teams for the first time? We have had some emerging leaders in our organization and the first focus area has been to be present. When you become a new leader, a new manager, it's definitely an ego boost and I'll be very honest and you feel great about it, but they don't realize the amount of responsibility it comes with. And it also comes with a lot of information that you did not have before, access to information. So how do you digest that information in a more responsible manner? How do you take the right decisions using that data, that information? Because as a manager, you're hiring. As a manager, you're making performance decisions. As a manager, you're deciding somebody's career. As a manager, possibly you're uh, exiting somebody from the organization. So that access to data, how important it is and how are you using it? That's very important and that's critical. And that kind of also carves their path as a manager for now and for the future, which they don't realize. Because this is your foundation. Somebody could be tactically great. Somebody could be technically great. But they may not be ready as a people manager. That's so interesting because it's so hard to measure beyond a point. Uh, how do you actually make that decision as HR and as people leaders? I think is incredibly hard because, I mean, the general temptation is that someone who's a high performer is most likely going to become a good leader or a good team leader. Having said that, there are so many attributes that you're talking about which need to be considered and high performers may not always have those. So how do you currently make that decision and are you measuring this in some way? We have our competencies, of course, you know, through which we measure and that's focused around uh, teamwork, self-awareness, uh, balanced approach, so on and so forth. And every employee, based on whether they're individual contributors or people managers, they have their five set of competencies which are global for us. Having said that, there is no, aside from this, a structured way of measuring it because it's tough. Someone may seem to be highly emotionally intelligent in their present role, or someone may, may seem to be very calm in their present role, but that's because they're comfortable and they're an expert in that role. What happens when you put them in a different environment? They may not be the same. We don't really have a mechanism to measure. Having said that, you know, as I said earlier, building up a culture of coaching, having a space for people to say what they want to say. When it comes to when we are promoting somebody, it's definitely not based on their performance, the hypos. But even when we do that, uh, we do uh, look at how they've performed in the last couple of months, how they're doing in the new role. And we also look at you know how they are managing their peers, their teams, uh, their stakeholders. My last question, Nina, would be on resilience. You know, we spoke about pandemic, we spoke about attrition, we spoke about some discomfort in the team, priorities that we have now, uh, the psychological safety that we need to be able to stick to our uh, employers and and make sure that we perform well. We cover resilience in many different ways and aspects. What are the skills, attributes, qualities 
whatever lens you want to put on this, what makes people resilient uh, of the groups that you've seen internally, a certain bunch of people who you've seen are unfazed in spite of so much and continue to perform, continue to work, continue to be a bonding factor for the team. What is it that makes them so resilient? Um, Firstly, I think it's self-awareness. That plays a key role in somebody being able to push through difficult times. If you know how you can manage your emotions, you are easily able to manage others' emotions too. Second, I would say is, you know, people who don't treat failure as failure, people who treat failure as a learning opportunity. And those are the people I think who are most resilient because they see opportunities even in challenges that they face. Absolutely. Exactly what uh, Carol Dweck also says with the growth mindset, I think makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for your time, Nina. I really enjoyed the conversation and thank you for these very objective and actionable answers. I'm sure we all learn a lot from this. Thank you very much. Uh, It was a pleasure being here and speaking with you. Thank you. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the SkillFlex podcast. Tune into our weekly chats by hitting that follow button on our podcast page.